1: You are now listening to the Philly Pod, a Philadelphia sports podcast. With the 105th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Keely Ringo, <laughs> defensive back, Georgia. Oh,
0: I'm really going to personally... By the way, congratulations yeah. to this young man. Oh, that's awesome.
2: He is now joining Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter and yeah. Jordan Davis and the Dean. I am personally going to go to Philadelphia
0: and plant the hedges.
3: You are now tuning in to the official <laughs> podcast of the Philadelphia Bulldogs, ladies and gentlemen. Hell I am yeah. kidding. We are Hell still yeah. the Eagles. This is the Philly Pod. My name is Stephen Conrad Jr. And also joining us today, well, joining me. Wait, that just doesn't sound right. You are like joining Peter me. You are joining yeah, me. Yeah, whatever. I am always joining him. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> stack what are we up, doing Steven. here today? I feel stack like, up the bulldogs. Uh, stack up
2: the bulldogs, man. Keely, Ringo. We got DeAndre Swift. We got Jalen Carter. We got Nolan Smith. We already had Jordan Davis. We already had N'Kobe Dean. It's the Philadelphia Dogs up in here, the Bulldogs, the Georgia Eagles, whatever you want to call them. We're racking them up, and we're not ashamed of it. The bit is hilarious. Uh, And why not do it? Why not do it? I already got the mock draft for next year ready. All the Georgia Bulldogs, you might as well just scout only Georgia players and Alabama players because Howie – Learned from him his mistakes from taking Jalen Rager. Now he said, forget it. I'm just taking SEC players, and this is the way it's going to be. I thought Stetson Bennett was coming. QB3 Stetson Bennett. We did draft another quarterback though. And we'll talk about ah. him. Appreciate you guys for joining this episode of the Philly Pod, brought to you by the LibertyLine.com. As Steven mentioned, I'm your host, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms over at the Philly Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and anywhere else you can digest the content. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, we appreciate you guys. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere else you get your shows. Be sure to rate five stars and leave those reviews. Each and every one does help with the exposure of the Philly pod, helps helps us move up the charts of Eagles Podcasts, so thank you guys for doing that as we aim to become one of the most prolific podcasts especially in the Eaglescape. So thank you guys for doing that. Keely Ringo's in the house. DeAndre Swift is in the house. Nolan Smith is in the house. Jalen Carter's in the house. The Philadelphia Dogs are here. And a year after, just one year removed from adding Jordan Davis and adding the Kobe Dean and adding A.J. Brown, Howie Roseman follows it up with a draft like this. And we are here to break it all down for you guys. The 2023 NFL draft is now in the books. And Steven, I, 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 it's, it's hard to believe this is one of the most iconic GM runs I've ever seen in the NFL. And I'm not just saying that cause it's the Eagles. I'm not just saying that cause it's Howie Roseman. I'm saying that because I have never witnessed this kind of work done on a consistent basis from a roster construction standpoint than what Howie has done as far as the NFL is concerned anyway. And I am, yeah, i am blown sure. away. I'm out of words. I'm out of words to describe the work that Howie Roseman has done last year, this year, and I remember at the end uh, when we did the pod after the uh, Super Bowl, and I was like, it's a shame they didn't win it because this is arguably the greatest roster we're ever going to see on this team, and they weren't able to, to get the job done. And this roster on paper <laughs> looks like it could compete already and arguably might be better, and it's, 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 it's so exciting to see. And uh, it's a fun time. It's going to be a fun time over the next few months to, to see how these players are going to fit. But on the surface, on paper anyway, this, this, is, this is a team
3: to beat once again in the NFC. Yeah, I'd certainly argue that. And uh, this, re- this is us revisiting a conversation that I have every single year. Every time we record one of these draft reaction pods, or even when we react to like some trade or transaction, our job is right now is to assess this team as it currently stands. We're not, you know, we can't snap our finger and wake up, you know, six months from now or even a year from now where some of these guys have played some NFL snaps and have developed. Like we can't do that. We're all, we're projecting right now. And as it currently stands, you'd be kidding yourself if you, If you said there's a team better on paper than the Philadelphia Eagles heading into this upcoming season. Yep, that's exactly
2: exactly where I'm at.
3: You take a look around the NFC, you'd be hard pressed to find a better roster, a
2: better front office and a better quarterback as we have ours locked in long term, as we all know, for the next uh, uh, for the next six years, thanks to that new five year extension. So let's get into the picks. The Eagles started off the fourth round with a bang. We'll get into the third round, but I want to start off with the uh, obviously the uh, the Georgia picks. They started off the fourth round. When day 3 started, I was ready to relax a little bit cuz I was like, "All right, they don't pick all the way until 188 or whatever the pick is. We got some time to kill." And the next thing I know, bam, they trade all the way up to pick 105 overall and all they did was part ways with the 2024 third-round pick. Now, they have 10 picks next season. They have a a myriad of comp picks on the way. So they were able to part with the 2024 third-round pick, send it to Houston, who they traded with all day. They traded a ton with the Texans throughout this entire draft. But they move all the way up to number 105 overall. And with the pick, they select yet another Georgia Bulldog and cornerback, Keely ringo and i thought after nolan smith i was like there's no way they're gonna take ringo like they're not gonna keep this keep this running joke going just for the sake of doing it so that's why when they took sydney brown and they took tyler steed it made sense i was like all right they're not just gonna take georgia players for the sake of taking georgia players at this point but then they go ahead and take keely ringo who at one point in time not too long ago was a first round talent i thought that he was going in the back of the at the back end of the first round for a long time But his 2022 tape caused him to slide a little bit. Injury concerns are also there. But, man, when you want to talk about the the traits of a prototypical, you know, CB1 in the NFL, blazing 4.36 speed, uh, 40 time at the combine, 6'2", 210 pounds, he has all the traits. And uh, the best thing about this pick is that he's not going to be thrusted into a starting role right away. He has the luxury of, uh, of studying behind James Bradbury and Darius Slay. And people have asked me on Twitter, like, is there any potential of transitioning to safety? And I think that's certainly a, uh, a possibility. I think he has the uh, the characteristics to do so. But I think that only happens if he tries and fails woefully at, at cornerback that you try and do that. I like what I see from Bringo. I know he has stiff hips. I know he can be inconsistent in coverage at times. But, man, you get, you, you get him behind those cornerbacks and studying.
3: I think he can become a, a consistent cornerback in the NFL. Well, we tried Avante Maddox at safety one time, and I don't know where that idea Did came. Did
2: we from. though? He, Did we try? He never.
3: He never had the measurables to play safety, so I wouldn't mm. rule that out just for that reason alone. Mm. And this guy is six foot two, as you said. He, he projects well to match up on the outside, though. Regardless, like with with bigger receivers and stuff like that. The thing that's intriguing for me, this is a pick that I would like. I've been pounding the table for it. Uh, I feel like we haven't we've avoided drafting a young athletic talented corner with potential i feel like we've we've put that one off everybody talks about linebacker uh even safety to a certain extent which we will touch on um but i just felt like even with you know darius slay being back here for a couple years and james bradbury i felt like they need to figure out the next guy well they do they need to figure out the next guy regardless bottom line they did it they've done it with all the other positions that they value right offensive (laughs) line defensive line more specifically um replacements to fletcher cox and brandon graham long term uh on the offensive line you sort of see it there's still some like question marks but we feel like those are going to be answered in the coming years you got cam jergens who i would assume is going to be the long-term center there's going to be a right guard competition we're going to be talking about that right mm-hmm. um you see it everywhere and finally they they i'm not going to say well they address the question of you know, a, somebody that could maybe one day fill in the shoes of either of our starting outside corners, Um, and that's why this pick is good. Now, it, it works out really well. I said this on the last pod. When you when you draft a player, something that needs to be taken into consideration is the team, the scheme, and the situation. And we're not asking him to come in here and be CB one, not CB two, and not even our slot corner. He's mm-hmm. going to play behind. Well, really, three guys. To be honest with you, you might be behind
2: um, Greedy Greedy Williams on the on the depth chart if you if,
3: if you if you if you if you go that far back. And at a point in time
2: where we were leading up to the draft, talking about uh, we need to get younger at cornerback. You have Greedy Williams, you have Keely Ringo, you have another guy. Uh, and Eli Ricks, who was picked up as an undrafted free agent, that was a guy I remember this time last year. Stephen, we were talking about potentially taking in the first round. We were mm-hmm. like, "Oh, twenty twenty-three draft. There's some good corners. There's Cam Smith. There's Akili Ringo. There's uh, there's Eli Ricks. There's a lot of good guys out there." And uh, the Eagles were able to come away with with two of them. But in the thing that people have to remember about Ringo, while he is inconsistent, twenty years old hasn't even had his twenty-first birthday. Not even old enough to drink legally yet. This man started playing for Georgia. At 19 years old, started up for that, and he had 30 and uh, 30 games played, 15 pass breakups, four interceptions, and as we all remember, clinched the national title uh, with the interception return for a touchdown versus Alabama in 2021. So he has experience. He has frequently athletic traits from a physical and a speed standpoint, and I think if you just own those tools a little bit, he can definitely become a, a key contributor on the Eagles defense and potentially be the long-term answer here at cornerback, So I love the pick, I love that they continued the George theme, uh, and most importantly, they got some young talent in that cornerback room because you have Bradbury, now on a three-year deal, you have Darius Slay, who is extended. But like like we mentioned before, you don't know how long those guys are gonna hold up, and they're both both pushing 30 years old. We did see some signs of decline in Darius Slay as the year went on. We're hoping that that was just, uh, you know, wear and tear as, as the season went on and he's not, you know, taking that massive step decline at cornerbacks tend to take when they hit, hit hit their early 30s. But I like uh what they're doing at the at the cornerback position. Uh I know we're hopping all over the place, but to go back to the third round because the last podcast we we only talked about the first round. Uh I really like the safety they picked at number 66 overall in Sydney Brown. Now the thing I don't like is the comparisons that people are making to Brian Dawkins? Yeah, I understand that <laughs> they do it because everybody's excited. I don't see a lot. They did it with with Kayvon Wallace because he went to Clemson. They're yeah, like, oh, oh, he's the next Dawkins and all this. That's and we insane. all know how how Kayvon Wallace is is turning out. But uh Sidney Brown, I think he's more of a uh like a like a Bob Sanders kind of guy. He hits hard, he can line up in the box. Uh he, he definitely has the ability to, to, to line up with slots as well. I think what the Eagles would do right away, people are saying, is he going to start right away? I still think they rode with Reed, Blankenship, and Terrell Edmonds uh, on opening day. Obviously, we have to see how training camp and all that works out, but Sydney Brown is definitely going to be in blitz packages. They're going to use him off the edge. They're going to match him up. Uh, 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 on some other tight ends when it comes down to it. I think that they are definitely going to have him closer to our line of scrimmage to start out next season. But when it comes to replacements for C.J. Garner-Johnson, I think Sidney Brown is, is a very good uh, comp to that, and I think he's going to fill that role nicely moving forward.
3: It's still very early, too. You, you forget, actually, the guy you just named, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, he was acquired via trade. I mean, how when was it? It was literally like just weeks before the season kicked off, like mm-hmm. the regular season, right? Yep. So... But again, we're projecting right now. We're talking about right now. I'm just saying. Um, I'm with you, though. Um, I wanted to point something out. Something that I have been saying for quite some time about this defense, actually. And I think you can even go back to our post if we did one. I want to say it was the post-Super Bowl pod. It was something. It was an off-season preview or something. Uh-huh. And I was saying the defense needs to get younger and more athletic. And that's the first first thing that jumped out to me when I looked into Sidney Brown. According to NFL.com, he uh-huh. ranked first on the athleticism score out of all defensive backs in the entire draft class,
2: uh-huh.
3: um, which is, I mean, and he's not the only acquisition, by the way. Nolan Smith might be just, well, he probably is the best athlete in the draft. Jalen Carter, we said, is the steal of the draft, arguably the best player in the draft. His, his measurables and athleticism jumps off the chart, too. And I think um, you combine that with the veteran experience and the scheme, and the depth we have, and the top-end talent. This defense, I mean, it was pretty good last year. There's no reason to believe it can't be better, right? Why can't it be better than last year? Exactly,
2: exactly. And I think that, especially when you take the pass rush into effect, it's hard to top 70 sacks, but they might have the ammo uh, to do so next year. Uh, Sidney Brown was the third-ranked safety as far as PFF is concerned. As far as college safeties go, Brian Branch was first, and then Antonio Johnson, so good value there. And he did a lot of things for, for that Illinois defense. Brown was extremely physical. He posted an 89.4 coverage grade last year via PFF. That was the highest among Big Ten safeties. Six interceptions, seven passes defended. So he has that playmaking aspect. He's a ball hawk, similar to how CJ was. I think they wanted to to, to find a guy who can do similar things in, uh, in, in that aspect. I know when we were talking about the draft and we were saying Brian Branch with the Eagles have never, ever, ever taken a safety in the first round. But uh, Brown is the highest drafted safety in Philly since Jaquan Jarrett in 2011. So they're creeping up higher in the draft now <laughs> to get these guys. And I, I like a lot of the things that Sidney Brown does. The one bad thing, or the one thing that he needs to work on, rather, is his tackling. His missed tackle percentage is, was, was rather high last year. Uh, but that mm-hmm. can be owned with coaching, obviously. Um, but I think I really like what he is going to be able to, to do for this defense. You got Edmonds, you have Reed, you have Sidney Brown. That's a very nice safety position after they lost Epps as well as uh, C.J. Gardner johnson free agency. So good pick there. In the pick just before that, 65th overall, Philadelphia selected offensive lineman Tyler Steen out of Alabama to presumably play guard, although he's never played guard before. He played both right tackle and left tackle at Alabama, but he has the versatility to, to be able to play guard. So uh, Sirianni said that the job... Isn't Cam Juergens, You know, it's not. It's not like it's the the right guard job isn't going to be handed to Cam Jurgens. Rather, so we're going to see, I'm sure, a battle between Tyler Steen and uh, Cam Jurgens for that right guard, right guard spot uh, in Philadelphia next season. Steen allowed just two sacks and 498 pass blocking snaps last season, and like I said, should be stiff competition for Jurgens in training camp. Anything you know about Steen? Were you happy with that pick, or did you hear the name? And you're like, I mean, it's fine for what it is. <laughs> I see, I see different grades. I see a lot of people grading this as like a A minus to a B, and I see other outlets giving it like a C almost because really? they he was he was beat quite often in college, but he has the tools to kind of. I think when Stoutland gets his hands on him, he's going to refine I'm just some of those. I was going to say this
3: is a major. I don't mean this in a bad way, but this is like a project, and this is a project specific to the Philadelphia Eagles. You just mentioned his name, Jeff Stoutland. And luckily, guard is probably one of the least important... In general, least important positions in football. Teams just don't really value it as much. You can afford... What?! What do you mean? I don't know, I don't know about positions. least. I don't yes, know about it's least. True. <laughs> oh look God. around the league. It's just not as valued. It's a fact. Oh, it's literally a – look how the team's behave, I mean, not as center
2: or a tackle, but still, you still need <laughs> good guards.
3: You still need good guards. I want go, a good guard tackle. protecting my $255 it's million quarterback. It's the least important position on the offensive line. The okay, least that I agree Because you got the two both tackle positions. Yes, that I agree. And then you got center. I thought you were saying like in football. I was like, I mean. No, I mean, you could argue maybe depending on. Who, you could argue that. it. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> you don't need to put like a superstar talent there is what I'm saying. Teams aren't like crazy. You can get by. It's, can get of, by. It's, it's, it's like a premium thing. I mean, we put uh, like Jack Driscoll in there and gotten by. So I see your point. Yes, exactly. I mean, you're just, we're, you're spoiled. We're spoiled by the Eagles having guys like Brandon Brooks. I mean, think of all the guards we've had, great guards we've had. So I guess that's, you know, Landon Dickerson now on the other side. But Again, he played the harder positions. Tyler mm-hmm. Steen played the harder positions. Tackle for Alabama, by the way. Alabama, just think about that. Alabama, that program, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I trust his ability to transition. He is bigger for a guard, I will say that. That's maybe where the concerns come from. But get ready for this one. Mm. That wingspan, short arm length. Yeah, there you go. projects well to play guard. Yeah. <laughs> Which, he's got small arms for a guy that size. That's all I'm saying. I got. You, he will I be you. competing with Jurgens, as you said. And I guess you kind of have to throw Driscoll in there as well, even though and I feel like Driscoll Driscoll's just not in the. He, Driscoll's not in the start. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't think he's you in the competition know. to start. But yeah. you could,
2: yeah, he, he very well could be. He's but forever. Not over Driscoll
3: is forever the sixth man. He's just forever yeah, the sixth he, man, he'll, right? <laughs> he'll come off the bench.
2: I think if you, when you have like, if you're starting offensive lineman is is uh, is Jordan Malata. So if, if you're starting offensive line is is Lane Johnson. Jordan Milata, um Landon Dickerson, Cam Jergens, and Jason Kelsey. And you have Tyler Steen and Jack Driscoll as your first guys off the bench. I'm happy with that. That's solid depth. That's solid depth. I think I can get that. Are by you at all
3: that. concerned? Oh, so you just are you're just assuming Cam Jergens is gonna beat him out?
2: Either, 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 or if it's Steen and then Jergens is off the bench for for Kelsey or whoever gets injured at guard, then I'm fine with that as well. I'm just saying that if those are your first two guys. Juergens or Tyler Steen and Jack Driscoll off the bench, that's that's very serviceable depth because those two guys coming off the bench could start for many teams, and I think that's what the Eagles aim to do is to have ready-made starters coming in as reserves if somebody gets hurt.
3: Like, like I just wonder from Cam Juergens' perspective, since we want him to be the center long-term, right? Like, I just wonder... Well, he was drafted him, to be like, the center long-term, yes. <laughs> does playing guard at all hinder that, or do you think that'll only benefit... Like, a part of me wonders, well, he would he benefit more from just, like... Literally playing behind Kelsey rather than just starting at guard alongside him. We're he was like- drafted.
2: He was drafted as a center only prospect. Like Dickerson mm. was drafted as being able to play like pretty much anywhere yeah. along the offensive line. So when he played guard, it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a big deal. That's why it was seamless. Jergens was drafted strictly as a center, strictly as Jason Kelsey's heir apparent. And then once he's he's <laughs> sticking around. And now everybody's like, "Well, what's Jergen's going to yeah. do? He was used the second round pick on him. You got to play him somewhere." So people are sliding him into that right guard plate. But Tyler Steen could certainly start there. Jack Driscoll, we've seen him start there. I mean, he's fine for what it is. He's not like going to be a Pro Bowl uh, right guard by any means. But you can certainly put him in there and 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 be okay. And you know, especially with Jalen Hurts and his mobility, so I think that's fine. But I like the Steen pick. I like the depth he provides. I certainly like the upside, and I like that he's from Alabama. Con- continue to take guys. from. Um, SCC schools, mm-hmm. SC, uh Alabama players on offense, Georgia players on defense. And speaking of Georgia players, it was widely speculated. I don't want to. I'm not big on taking victory laps, but uh, I did say on the last pod and put out a Twitter that once once Jameer Gibbs was taken in Detroit, DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. was expendable. I said he was from Philly. He's that pass catching back that the Eagles love to use. He only makes 1.77 million dollars in salary next year, entering a contract year. And it had Eagles written all over him. And the fact that he went to Georgia, you might as well just just put an Eagles jersey on him because it's going to happen at some point. And the Eagles certainly did that. They traded a 2025 fourth-round pick. So by the time that pick even gets to Detroit in 2025, Swift likely won't even be here because he's in a contract year. Um, He'll probably show out next year move on. The Eagles aren't going to pay him. So, So by the time Detroit gets that pick in 2025, Swift won't even be an Eagle anymore. But they part ways with that and they swap picks with them in the seventh round to bring home St. Joe's Prep Philadelphia native mm. DeAndre Swift. And, man, you want to talk about a guy. I know we were all, all fawning over Bijan Robson and Jameer Gibbs and mm. Zach Charbonnet and some of these guys that can come in and be contributors. But now you have uh, an NFL proven back in here, a nice change of pace back, a nice pass catching back. I know Jalen Hurts, his scrambles, essentially the check down, so he doesn't throw to running backs a ton. But DeAndre Swift adds another element. And rival fan bases want to tell me that, oh, Swift doesn't doesn't stay healthy and this and that. Neither does Rashad Penny. And what is the likelihood that they're both going to be on IR at the same time? They can take turns on IR for all I care. Swift can go on IR for four weeks and Rashad Penny can go on IR for four weeks. I doubt we're going to be in a situation where both of them are going to be hurt at the same time. And God forbid we are. We still have Kenneth Gainwell, who's unfortunately probably going to be pushed down the depth chart with mm-hmm. this move. But I love what DeAndre yeah. Swift brings. We saw firsthand what he brought in week one last season. He ran all over us, ran over Marcus Epps, ran over Bradbury, <laughs> ran over a couple players. And he and Rashad Penny and Kenneth Gainwell, and I assume Boston Scott is going to be the fourth back. But Steven, talk to me about DeAndre Swift. We were hyped for him. We knew how he was going to make a splash move. Before this draft, I was like, I would be shocked if Howie doesn't make the draft about himself some time away. He's going to make mm-hmm. a splash. He's going to bring a playmaker in here. And they did that with uh, with
3: DeAndre Swift. Well, somehow, some way, because we all kind of had an idea that Howie wasn't going to pay Miles Sanders, and that was unfortunate. It was a tough pill to swallow, although for some reason, I feel like Miles Sanders kind of had a mixed bag with fans here. I feel like he either loved them or hated him, right? I noticed somehow, some way, they got a more talented player, we would say, right? DeAndre Swift is probably a better football player than Miles Sanders. Would you agree with that?
2: Uh... Uh, it's it's I think they're in the same tier. I think I think I think DeAndre Swift is more explosive than mm. Miles Sanders,
3: um, but I don't think that I don't think the gap in as far as talent is is all that, right. Right, it's all that different yeah. for way cheaper is what I'm saying though. Like somehow, some oh, way, cheaper, the yeah. <laughs> the one area you could perhaps like nitpick with the Eagles in the offseason where you say ah you know they downgraded there and I don't think they're going to be able to make up for the loss. Well, they more than did that. They mm-hmm. they they were able to get a player on his level for way cheaper for mm-hmm. way cheaper mm-hmm. and not just him by the way the entire running back room this running back room is insane now all of a sudden when we were really concerned like uh-oh well hey maybe i mean i believe in kenny g but I, even i will admit to you i don't know if he's if he's ready to you know be a I, i'm not saying bell cow i don't like to use that word three down but like, three down back <laughs> a heavy usage back yeah yeah you um, certainly don't want to see that
2: I crunched the numbers uh, yesterday. You brought up the salary. Um, So, Boston Scott makes $1.85 million next season in base salary. That leads to all the running backs, by the way. He's the highest paid on the roster. Oh, yeah. DeAndre Swift makes $1.77 million. Rashad Penny, one year deal, $1.35 million. And Kenneth Gainwell, obviously still on his rookie contract, fifth round pick, is only making $940,000 in base Mm. salary next year. Total, $5.91 million. That is about 2.5%. Of the entire salary cap that Howie Roseman is using on the running back room, and you have two guys that can potentially be big, big time playmakers in Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift. You have Kenneth Gainwell who came on as as the year went on.
3: You have two and a half. I'd argue two and a half with what Gainwell. Yeah, man. You saw he was a big. You got Boston Scott.
2: You got Boston Scott who guarantees you at least two victories a year. So I I like what I like what I see in the running back room. DeAndre Swift. Everybody was like, I don't know why you want. Don't forget Uh, DeAndre Swift. And then Jalen Hurts, who's essentially the fifth running back on this team. (laughs) So who's undoubtedly going to be probably second in rushing, I'm sure, or maybe third this year behind Penny and Gainwell. And uh, everybody's asking me who's going to be RB1, who's going to be the lead back. I don't think any of them are. I think this season, more than any other season, is going to be by committee. You're going to have different backs in there on third down. I think that you're going to have Deontay Swift in there, being change of being change of pace, being super agile, making cuts. And then once teams are are trying to get acclimated to that, you bring in Rashad Penny, who's just going to bulldoze you and run people over. You can literally put in any running back you want to cater to the specific game plan. If you want to, if you just want to run defenses over and drag games out, Rashad Penny's your man. If you need to score quickly and get down. Field De- DeAndre Swift is your man, and Kenneth Gainwell figures into that as well. This running back room is arguably better than last season with 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 Miles Sanders. oh well, yeah, it is. And this and this offense is now just like that. Uh, they, they didn't bring in another receiver, which is which which I'm disappointed about. I really wanted Kayshawn Boutte until I found out apparently that this man was like having <laughs> this man was like I didn't find this out until I tweeted a clip of him saying, "Oh, I would like to see Butte uh, Boutte out of LSU." at pick uh at pick 188 and then some people were nice enough to inform me that well you got to watch out for some chicks there because apparently he was like having <laughs> apparently he was having like orgies at lsu or something like that like just like apparently him and like a staffer were like oh no were, like my apologies if there's like kids in the car while you're listening to this but apparently he was like r- like running trains on chicks or whatever the situation was i cons- consensual mm. i believe but like the rumors started going around and Butte was going to return to LSU, but then when that rumor came out, he just immediately declared for the NFL draft. So a lot of it was shady, um, and I really wanted him as a receiver. But then when people told me that, I was like, well, I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't aware of this. So, so that, that 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 was that. We did bring in a couple of receivers via uh, undrafted free agents, and we'll get into those later this on. locker room's too good for all that. Later on in the week. Yeah, so I was like, well, maybe that's not the greatest as far as, as the culture is installed. But this offense, Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Swift and Penny, at, uh, at running back, A.J. Devontae, uh Zaccheaus at receiver, we still got Dallas Scott. We're going to have to do something about tight end. I assume Brock Bowers is going to be on the radar next season from Georgia. <laughs> I assume he, he's expected to be like a top 15 pick next year. So we'll keep mm. that uh, on the radar as well. But man, this offense is looking more explosive than ever. And I don't know who in the NFC is going to contend with it in, in
3: 2023. My question is... Which running back room is better? You mentioned last year's. That's mm-hmm. not even a question to me. 2017 versus this year.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, 2017 with Garrett Blunt. Uh, who was it? Blunt, J.A. Uh Well, they, they kind Corey of had Clement. the same concerns. J.A. Jai with the injuries they brought him in. He mm-hmm. had blown knees. We, we pretty much used his knees up <laughs> just for the Super Bowl run. But Blunt like a state. perfect blend of backs though, right? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely you, you definitely got a perfect blend. Like Garrett Blunt was that guy that can just run guys over and uh J. Jai you, you brought in for change of pace and you had Corey Clement who's your receiving
3: back. Yeah, it's, there's definitely uh some similarities you can draw. Uh that, that that's a good point. Speaking of Corey Clement, you guys were literally I mean, I was jumping on the bandwagon too, but you guys were literally picking Kenny G to be the Corey Clement of the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. yeah,
2: they were they were they, they, people were saying that. I think I was one of them. So that's so Yeah, that's why I brought so, it up. So, oh, that's funny. All right. So, so there we go with uh, with that. So, on to the uh, the fifth round, I believe, where quarterback factory just had to stay open, had to keep the quarterback factory alive. The Eagles selected quarterback Tanner McKee out of Stanford. And admittedly, I was not in love with this pick when it happened. I was like, I thought we would get somebody like Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA, somebody that can kind of run a little bit. You usually want your developmental quarterbacks to have the same, you know, play style stylistically to uh, your starter in Jalen Hurts. And Tanner McKee is the direct opposite. If you wanted to draw up a quarterback that is the direct opposite of Jalen Hurts, that would be Tanner McKee. And I'll, 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 I will say, though, after, like, more research and I watched some, watched some of his tape and I read, read up on him a little bit, I don't hate it. I do not hate the pick, and I feel like Tanner McKee would have been a first-round pick maybe ten years ago, if because he's like the prototypical pocket passer. He's your uh, he, he reminds me a lot of Eli Manning. He can stay back there. He can dice up guys. He can he can he can surgically destroy defense. It's just that once he gets out of the pocket, he's really bad at avoiding pressure. Like once pressure comes, it's over. Uh, but he's big, six six. He's like lumbering and he can, he's very accurate, he can hit tight windows, and he has a cannon for an arm, the arm strength is there. It's just that the mobility isn't there. It's not that he's a bad athlete per se, it's just like there's not a lot to do once he gets out the pocket. He panics, he rushes, he throws the ball away. But from like a pure quarterback standpoint, I see the vision. I assume how he's going to develop this guy and trade him to like the Vikings for a third round pick in like 2025. I think that's what's gonna happen here. So uh, the pick didn't make a ton of sense, from a, from a, from a QB room standpoint, I think they're just going to develop this guy, ship him out in a couple gears to a QB needy team, get a mid round pick, and that's going to be that. How he's always looking ahead, and I assume that's the vision with with Tanner McKee here.
3: I mean, it's fine. I just <laughs> past those days. Like that's the least of my concerns right now. I mean, we got a Super Bowl to get back to. We have a franchise quarterback. Uh, we have a backup quarterback who is very similar to our starting quarterback, actually. Mm-hmm. So. This guy we drafted, who is going to be third or fourth string, I could care absolutely. I couldn't care any less about. I appreciate you filling everybody in. That's your job. Certainly not mine. Nor do I want (laughs) it to be my job.
2: He's the one I swear. Like when you look at the (laughs) overall draft class, like every pick is like amazing, and then you just look at Tanner McKee, like why? Why did this happen? Yeah, I so get, I think,
3: look, I get it. It is. I'm what saying it they're going to send him to the Vikings. I'm not in a like couple upset years. about it. I just don't give a shit if I'm being. Yeah, honest yeah. Me. yeah. I mean, it's not I? like
2: we have to sit here and harp on. I just think he's, yes. he gets. They send him to the Vikings for a third rounder in two years, and, and that's that. I don't think he's in the future plans uh, uh, for the Eagles. But he's well, like Nick never Foles. Know. He's a Nick Foles guy, though. Like he'll 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 stay strong in the pocket. He'll deliver throws. He'll take hits. Um, it's just that if he ever has to come into a game. You want to talk about redesigning the playbook, you might as well throw mm. out the entire playbook and just just make up plays from that point. Because mm. nothing that you run with Jalen Hurts is going to be able to run with, uh, with Tanner McKee. But I will say, he was the sixth overall QB prospect after the top five. After uh, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, uh, Will Levis, who I still can't believe didn't go in the first round, Hendon Hooker, uh, and then it was Tanner McKee at fifth. I'm sorry, fifth. He was the fifth best prospect after those four guys. No way! I'm missing one. I'm missing one. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, uh, oh, Anthony Richardson, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Hendon, and then Hendon Hooker, and then Tanner McKee was after them. So I mean, mm. you got a top QB prospect, and if the and if you and if the cards fall in your favor, he's gonna be flipped for a pick. So I like that from that standpoint. So so there you go. So there you go. So yeah, I, mean, I guess he'll be in that.
3: the same room as you know Jalen Hurts, who literally worked his ass off to get where he is. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess there's probably no better for his. Sake. I'm sorry, Tanner McKee. I have nothing against. Yeah, you. We's not, we saying. don't. We don't dislike Tanner yeah, yeah, McKee. Yeah, yeah. He seems like not a doing good this kid shit again.
2: He actually yeah, knows yeah. uh, Jalen Hurts. He said he had a visit with oh, Alabama word. when Bama was at uh, when Bama was at Jalen Hurts, and they had it. Or oh, wow. when when Jalen Hurts was at Bama. Uh, mm. My apologies, and they had an exchange there. And he remembered his leadership, the way he commands a room. He had it back then. So yeah. Tanner McKee said he's excited to you know get there in there yeah. and pick his brain. And he knew he and he made it aware if anybody was concerned if this was going to shake Jalen Hurts. Or anything like that, Tanner McKee did say. I know this is Jalen Hurts team, so no Carson Wentz issues over here. Not that Jalen would ever be shook by a fifth round, right? By a fifth round pick. I made that joke oh, on Twitter. It. I made I made the joke on Twitter when the pick was made. I said, "Is Jalen Hurts going to be? Is is the is Tanner McKee's presence going to affect Jalen Hurts?" And I forget that satire doesn't translate well to Twitter because everyone was mm. like, "Oh, delete this. Jalen's different." I'm like, "All right, it was, it was right, a right, joke." But it. you know we how know. the. Uh, You know how the internet goes. So on to uh, the last pick of the draft where I think the Eagles got tremendous value. He was actually a top 100 prospect by -hmm. a lot of outlets. And the Eagles got him at number two. I
3: think he was 90-something.
2: Yeah, he was 96 by PFF, actually. And the Eagles got him at number 249 overall. Defensive tackle, Moro, a out of Texas. Boy, this guy has some juice to him. He has some 6'3", 292 pounds. His wingspan is freakish. This man has the wingspan of... Freaking like Dwight Howard. Like, I don't know what Dwight Howard's wingspan I mean, fan is, right. but he he looks he looks like this guy. He can get extension. He knows how to uh how, how to take advantage of opposing guys. And I think that he has the potential to be a run stuffer with the with the right development. Uh he was a three-year starter at Texas, 95 tackles, 13-4 loss, 5.0 sacks in 50 career games. Uh as a pass rusher in 2022, 24 total pressures, 18 QB hurries, and one. QB hit and also logged 19 stops in 12 games as a run defender. So there's a lot of things to like about a Jomo. I couldn't believe he was there. I've mocked him to the Eagles in like the fifth round in a number of mock drafts. And the Eagles were able to get him in the in the seventh round. So very good kid here. Originally born in Nigeria, moved to the United States when he was seven years old and enrolled in college actually when he was 16. And he's only 21 now. So so many years ahead of him to own his skills. And when you add him to a defensive line that already has Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Josh sweat and Milton Williams. And man, you can certainly be an early down guy for you and help stuff that run over the middle, uh, uh, in a year or two. So very, very happy with that pick. I think it's tremendous value in the seventh round.
3: Certainly. When you consider the fact that he's probably about the 15th defensive tackle now on the Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) That's for sure. Hey, just think about that. Who were some of so we had two defensive tackle acquisitions uh, in the middle of last season. I'm trying to remember who they were, right? So it was the guy from Minnesota, and it was Nanama Sue, right? You don't remember
2: Sue and Linval Joseph? Linval it was the Joseph. week. It was so, the week after we fucking got run over by the, by Washington, and how yeah, was like, so, it was our first loss, our first yes, loss, yes. And how he was like, fuck this, <laughs> he went and signed Sue and and uh, Linval Joseph to make sure we never got fucking ran over again, and then we stopped. Mm-hmm uh jonathan taylor and his tracks the following week so good good Mm. on that
3: yeah i mean part of me just wonders how this continuously happens i mean i guess that i should say maybe even just this draft when you look at several of the guys like we're eagles fans and this is an eagles podcast but do you ever wonder like if you look at a couple of these picks off the top of my head i'm trying to think which ones they were uh i'm trying to see here well, anyway, several of them were literally Philadelphia Eagles guys, like guys that they really wanted, right? And it's just kind of mm-hmm. like funny to me how they end up just landing here. Do you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. part of me wonders, like, how some of these other teams, like, were was that their guy? Like, I'm not, you can't, if you have like a top 10 pick or even like a top five pick, you can't say that's your guy because it's just, you know what I mean? Like, no shit you're going to draft him, like. The Eagles were clearly Jalen Carter guys. They traded up one spot to get him, but it's a top ten pick. He's arguably the best player in the draft. I'm talking about some of these mid round guys, these guys that fall or drop. It's just like interesting how how people like have teams, th- teams have
2: teams had different needs. So like Moro Jomo may not have fit another team, but the Eagles build that way. They know they built inside
3: out. So a guy like that falling in we really need round, another defensive tackle. I mean, you can never have enough. You can never <laughs> you have forgot enough about Milton rushes. Williams. Yeah, I said, I said him, I said him. Okay, but I'm, you can I'm just saying like I. Well, I know you didn't, but like I feel like people genuinely forget about him.
2: Yeah, and he's in the and he's in and Marlon. Tui-piloutu. I guess Sajamo
3: could literally. I mean, well, he's going to learn from he's going to learn from a lot of guys. He's going to yeah. be playing behind a lot Fletcher, of guys. Fletcher but Cox. You got Marlon Williams. I, like uh, like I feel like is the kind of like the mold because I feel like Milton Williams was a project player with a lot of potential who's been playing behind several defensive tackles mm-hmm. now. He. Tested, I am intrigued te- to see how it plays out for him. By the way now
2: he tested like uh like Aaron Donald uh, back in the draft I remember and everybody was all excited about that but the whole report's coming out like the Peter Schrager thing about how uh, executives are upset that Howie Roseman's getting all this praise and rival fan bases are telling me on the internet that the Eagles shouldn't be praised for me for picking the best player available the players literally fell to them it's not hard to pick players Then why doesn't everybody else do it but I Mm. also think that you have to. It's not about just picking the best players available. It's about reading the board and understand how it's going to fall. As soon as Jalen Carter didn't go to Seattle, how he could have mortgaged the future to trade up to number six to get Jalen Carter, but he mm. stood pat. He recognized the teams that were after them and said, "There's a chance that they don't take him. We should stay here and try and be patient, and it'll reward us in the future." And look what happened. You you only traded a uh, what? What did they trade to move up for for Jalen? The third round, the
3: fourth, I want to say
2: uh i forget what they traded for for Jalen Carter Maybe not it was a, it was a future was, fourth i know that so they tra- they traded minimal minimal compensation to move up for Jalen Carter as soon as it got to the early 20s How we once again, could have mortgaged some picks to move up uh, to get Nolan Smith. (laughs) Stayed put at 30. Stayed put at 30 and fell right into his lap at 30. The fourth round, now they were aggressive in the fourth because they probably couldn't believe that Keely Ringo was still there. So they said, okay, now's the time to be aggressive. We're going to go up at the top of the third round since we don't pick until 60 picks from now, and we doubt Ringo's going to be there. So let's move up now, and we'll go ahead and get Ringo here. Sidney Brown, you get a top safety. Uh, Tanner McKee, eh, whatever, and and Moro Achomo you get in the 7th. Just tremendous value all up and down the board and you add DeAndre Swift for pennies on a contract that's under 2 million. On a like I said earlier on a on a draft year where you added N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Cam Jergens and AJ Brown. I didn't think they could follow that up. And you look at this draft class and it is very difficult to understand how we've pulled this off in general. Like I look it up and I'm just like, he's he's gotta be, he's already gotta be in the running for executive of the year. And the season didn't even start OTAs and training camp didn't even start yet. So let me just tell you, ever since that Jalen Rager pick, Eagles players acquired over the last three drafts. In 2021, Howie Roseman added Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Milton Williams, Kenneth Gainwell during the draft, who were all contributors to this, to this team, obviously. In 2022, A.J. Brown, Jordan Davis, Cam Jurgensen, the Gobi Dean, like I already mentioned. In 2023, this season in the draft, he added DeAndre Swift, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo. Like, those are three stellar draft classes, three of them in a row after the Jalen Rager thing. I th- I, I've said this numerous times, and I'll say that I think the Jalen Rager... Pick really did something to Howie Roseman. I think he reflected, and you can argue whether Doug wanted him or whether Howie wanted him, and Howie wanted Jefferson, and Doug wanted Jalen Rager, or whatever whatever the situation is. But I honestly think that that pick changed Howie Roseman, and changed the the organization and the way the front office is run. Because now they're not playing games. Now they're taking SEC players. Now they're not. Now they're not taking crazy risks. Howie Roseman is still certainly taking risks, as he did with Nicobe Dean, as he's doing with Ringo this year, players that very certainly well could have could have injuries catch up to him and may not develop. But the TCU days are over. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> and I cannot be happier of the way that that this process has gone for the Eagles and how the future of this team looks. Because they're not only drafting for the now, they're drafting for the future. When guys like Cox and Brandon Graham leave, you got guys right there that can step up. You got Nolan Smith, you got Jalen Carter, you got Jordan Davis, you got corners now that you hope you can develop. You got Jalen, you got Jalen Hurts here for the next six years. You got Devontae Smith who you're probably paying next summer. It's it's they're, they they are they are all in on Super Bowl now and they should be competitive for the next 5 to 6 years the way this roster
3: is stacking up. It's interesting. I I don't know the specifics. I wanted to point this out earlier actually. Um did you know I believe we had 7 picks heading into the draft, correct? 7 draft. Oh, uh, we picks, had
2: 6. 6 this year.
3: Oh, right. And we ended up making 7 selections, right? Mm-hmm. We made 7. So, I believe we traded all 6. Does that sound right? All the six only, of the the, the only picks we the made picks weren't yeah like ours in the end right we ended up trading them for others a
2: lot of them to Houston the only pick we stayed put at was number thirty and Nolan Smith every other pick yeah. was traded to someone else so we made it to Nolan Smith was the only pick that that we made of our own at at 30.
3: number so you can three. get mad at how rose Roseman all you want he's just beating you all what do you mean hate on greatness
2: then I am sad to say that it looks like the days of rooting for teams to lose is over we didn't trade for mm. any future first rounders so
3: no draft tracker wins now at this
2: point No, yeah no draft tracker this year so that's so that's unfortunate so all right before we get out of here overall wait wait wait
3: wait wait, we have a second next year from new orleans i think
2: is that right i think it's from new orleans i think we have a 2024 second rounder from new orleans from that trade where we uh remember we traded a 16 and 19 for 18 and like a future first and a future yeah, so second. What, huh, there you go. That's so what I'm I think saying. we have a, I think we have a, a second round pick. I have to, I have to, uh, fact check. Not that over. It short. Not over. But, uh, yeah, pick, so man. overall, overall grades on the draft number, uh, first round Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, you get Tyler Steen in the second round, Sydney Brown in the third round, Keely Ringo in the fourth, Tanner McKee in the sixth, Moro Ajomo in the seventh round. And of course you added DeAndre Swift. What overall grade are you giving this draft as it comes to a close in 2023?
3: Uh, a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Anything other than an A plus,
2: and we're not even being homers. We're not saying. No, I don't, like, don't
3: know how you don't get because I would I look at this class.
2: I would look at this class with any other team and be like, "Holy fuck, they nailed the draft!" Like the Seahawks, I think nailed the draft
3: amazingly. Yeah, there's I, only maybe one or two other teams I would consider even giving an A plus. To. Seahawks, a certain one of them. I like. I like everything that Seattle did. Honestly, like
2: Seattle might be the contender for uh, uh, um with the Eagles as far as the NFC is concerned. I'm to of Houston Dallas. as
3: well, man. Houston, well of course well,
2: Houston did. They're they're literally all in. They traded everything for Will Anderson and and CJ Stroud. But I think I think the Seahawks are probably the next in line, like underneath the Eagles to compete in the NFC. I will give that to Seattle just based on their draft alone. Oh man, is that my Camera done. Yikes! It's going off. It's going off. It's all right. Well, uh, well, my overall grade is uh, holy hell. My shit skits. <laughs> my overall grade for for this draft was obviously B. I'll, I'll give it an a minus, just solely oh, for the Tanner what? McKee. The Tanner McKee pick is just the one sword. All right, dude. If it was if it was a QB that had the same play style as Jalen Hurts, like Dorian Thompson-Robinson or someone else like that. I would give this uh, an A+. The Tanner McKee is the one thing, because it's the one pick that doesn't make sense. I think they do it strictly from a value standpoint. Like I said, they flip him for a pick down the road. I don't think the Eagles intend to ever play this man in a single game. I don't think that's the move. Um, but a minus across the board just because Tanner McKee doesn't make any sense stylistically. Yeah, but if he then gets
3: flipped for a decent like mid round. Then I'll reassess pit, then my you, grade. I'll reassess ah, my grade. There we go. So I'll say go. Well, a- I could minus do that too. Now. If we're doing that, then I'll go down to an A. If you want to be this negative, if if that's how you want to be, then I'll go from an A plus to an A right now. And if Jalen Carter turns out to be everything we think he is, if Nolan Smith can do that, if blah blah blah, if maybe Sidney Brown can be a starting. Safety, if Kaylee Ringo can be a starting outside corner for us one day, then it'll be an A+, plus. but it is yeah. an A right now. There you go. You happy? That's fine. Those, That's fine. those homers on the Philly pod, you know, whenever. <laughs> That's fine. It makes sense to me. Appreciate you guys for tuning into
2: this episode of the Philly pod. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Anywhere else you get your shows, you can follow me. Victor Williams over at the Philly Pod on Twitter as well as Instagram. I, it was a, it was a busy weekend, but a very fulfilling weekend. One of the some of the most fun I've had uh, during a draft. Be sure to check out all my stuff at the Libertyline.com and on Twitter. Tons of information you can dive into and videos and tweets and all kinds of things to uh, to engage with over there. So thank you guys for doing that, Stephen. Where can the people find you and what are the, uh, some of your upcoming projects coming up for uh, the Liberty Line or YouTube or whatever you got in the uh, in the chamber?
3: Yeah, so obviously you can find podcast clips on the Liberty Line YouTube channel and really all of our video content, Philly Sports related on the Liberty Line YouTube channel. But I'm Steven Conrad Jr., obviously on all social platforms if you like to hear my voice and my voice only. Yep, be sure to follow him on Twitter. He'll be
2: about. bitching about the Sixers tonight, I'm sure. As as we go ahead and kick off the second round against Boston and B, please play. My God. If you do not play on oh, this series, it's going to be uh it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Thank you, guys. You check guys just out please
3: do it for us. I can't <laughs> do take it, it anymore. Another I think God for the exit. Eagles,
2: man. God, yeah. The Eagles, like freaking the DeAndre Swift trade gets announced, and then it comes out that Embiid yes, is doubtful. I'm and I'm like, bro, can't I make can't. make this stuff up. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't do it at all. We'll, we'll get you guys caught up later in the week with, uh, with a podcast about the undrafted free agents. I'm waiting for a couple confirmations on reports to seeing um, – who exactly the Eagles agreed to terms with. I know the names, but I'm trying to get the terms and all that stuff. Once that stuff is finalized, I will uh, we will come up here and talk about some of these undrafted guys. But until then, fantastic draft from the Eagles. Can't wait to dive more into these players. We'll catch you guys later on in the week. Peace out for now from the Philly Pod.